To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Mark Hayes from Matthews Bows. Man, you guys that know me know that that I'm absolutely in love with archery and bows and archery hunting. Like, like heck, I've based my whole life around it. I love it with every fiber of my being. And so to get a guy that's so knowledgeable on here, uh, Mark Hayes, to talk about Matthews Bows and... I switched to Matthews a handful of years ago, and I have never looked back. They just shoot so good for me. Uh, the the Verdix was my favorite bow I ever owned that gave me just this great hunting season. The VXR this season uh, put down my best bull to date. I think I have five Pope and Young trophies so far in 2020 with it. The thing is just an absolute shooter, and it just meets my criteria for a bow, just the the forgiveness, uh, the tunability, and and then the performance that they're getting out of it, and specific form and performance to my draw length as well. Like with the different mods, they can get the most out of each bow for every archer. And so, my short little T Rex arms, a twenty six and a half inch draw length. Like I don't have to shoot a bow that's designed for somebody at twenty eight. They're getting the absolute most performance out of that 26 and a half with their different mods. And and we talk about it in the podcast, and I definitely geek out on bows in the podcast, but so fun to have somebody so knowledgeable like Mark to give me the why behind this bow and, and the reasons behind the changes that they've made and what they're doing for the bow's performance. Uh, man, these things, they just aim so good for me shoot so good for me just absolutely in love with them so this is a real treat for me to get mark on the podcast and talk over this brand new v3 i actually just got word that uh, my new v3 is in the mail going to be showing up on my doorstep it could be today uh to say i'm excited would be the understatement of the year i just um I love these bows. I can't wait to set this one up and get shooting with it. And and I have been able to touch and feel and look at this bow. Uh, I've got a, a really good buddy, Ryan Martin, that is one of the head sales guys at Matthews. And he stayed at my house in September. He was hunting elk. And so uh, I got to check out this bow. And, and the thing's just a work of art. And Ryan did end up arrowing a really good bull here in montana with his the guy's just a shooter and so uh, really fun to be able to check out this bow just can't wait for my own to show up and if i wasn't headed out to go hunt rutting mule deer this weekend uh i i would be waiting for this bow to show up on my doorstep and be setting it up but uh you can believe i'll be working with this bow just as soon as i get back uh, just a great fascinating podcast uh diving deep down the rabbit holes of bows uh, engineering and design, and then getting to know Mark a little bit on the podcast. This is the second one I've done with him, and I really like this guy. So this is a great podcast all about the Matthews new bow, the V3. Um, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Over at Eastman's, um, putting out good content over there. Uh, I know Dan Bacar on Beyond the Grid just released a couple late-season elk hunting episodes, and then we have our new Mule Deer film that I've been telling you guys about. Uh, it's going to come out here in a handful of days, the full-length film. It'll be awesome. They've got a bunch of Mike Eastman's old footage in there, Mike Eastman, Guy Eastman talking on there, uh, talking about uh, the Mule Deer as a, as a species and, and, and making sure that we take care of Mule Deer so we have them for generations to come. Uh, they've got footage of Popeye on there. Uh, one of the most iconic deer ever photographed. Um, they've got uh, footage of Goliath on there. Just a bunch of giant winter range deer. So um, make sure you check out that full-length film. Uh, it'll be coming out here in the next handful of days. You can find it on Eastman's Hunting Journal on YouTube. And um, with that, man, uh, 
it's been a heck of a fall for me. I've been trying to get this um, foundation of this house in, so I've been working hard on that, making sure that, that me and the guys have work throughout the winter. So um, I've had to be Johnny on the spot on that. But I've been sneaking away for some mule deer hunting in the weekends, just some great action. Um, able to film my buddy Dan arrow a really good dark horn muley uh, about a week ago or so. So that'll complete this film that I've been putting together uh, late season mule deer, hunting mule deer during the rut um, with our bows. So that was really cool. And uh, yeah, I've still got some days. I'm going to team up with my dad here. In fact, I'm going to get this podcast out and um, planning on leaving here in a couple hours. So I've still got to get my gear together, but my my bow is shooting. That's the main thing. I've got some time and uh, we just poured the foundation walls yesterday. So the guys are setting up the slab and things. So uh, looking all set for my wintertime work and um, looking to get after these muleys here. Help my dad a little bit. He'll be hunting with a rifle. And uh, so I'll team up with him and and uh, hopefully be able to backpack into a couple of these spots I want to get into and hopefully earn a stock. Um, man, I've been close on some. I'd spent 45 minutes, 27 yards from the buck I wanted the other day. Man, I was so close. Now, gusty winds got me in the end. He ended up winding me and blowing out of that bed. I was just keeping an eye on his horns the whole time, turning left and right, just these giant dark horn backs on him. It's been so fun. Um, it's been such a fun hunting season. So uh, just had an absolute riot, living my, my best life. Uh, so thanks to you guys for listening in. We've had some awesome podcasts here, some awesome guests, and I got some great ones coming up for you, uh, including this one today with Mark Hayes from Matthews. So let's get right into this. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, well, I felt, I feel really fortunate to get you on the podcast, especially since it's November 4th. So I know that that whitetail rut is just kicking off good. Are they um, starting to get pretty ruddy around your neck of the woods? They are. They're almost into it like locked down with those because last week was just heavy we killed three really big bucks in two days last week um 29th and the 30th so it was uh it was really going good then they're looking for that first that first doe you know and that's just when they're cruising and looking like crazy now there's a few more does getting into heat so they're kind of locking down man yeah, I just love that pre-rut action, and I try to hit it right every year. So I'm a mule deer rut guy because I'm I'm uh, a Westie, you know. And so like, uh, right. uh, I, I'm out here, and I've got my um, I live in Montana, and so I've got my Montana tag, and I just love chasing the rut with my bow. So I was in last weekend. I found it was epic hunting. I was able to turn up some bucks in that, but hardly saw any rut action for that first little part of November. So I think it's just a hair late over here. So I'm thinking this next weekend, I'm going to hit it perfect. There you go. Good. Yeah. So a lot of good bucks like, um, you know, they're just starting to act a little ruddy where uh, those those bucks are starting to break out of the bachelor herds of bucks. They're starting to run solo. They're starting to cruise a little bit more country um, where they're not just like a, uh, like in a routine or in a pattern where they're feeding and then bedding. You know, now they're starting to move country like they're staging for the rut. And then hiking out of there, I did see like a pretty good three-point that was hanging with the does. And he wasn't sniffing or ruddy yet. But he was definitely hanging with them, so just starting to see those first signs, which which gets me so excited. It's the most exciting time to hunt deer, isn't it? It is. It definitely is. Big bucks are visible when they're normally not. It's really, really something. Man, it is something. Yeah, well, yeah, those, those big older age class animals that get so smart during the rest of the season – they just let their guard down during that rut. And like you say, they become more <laughs> visible. And like those whitetails that you hunt, man, those things are so good at like living in small spaces undetected. Like they dang near go nocturnal during the, the regular season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, the jury's definitely out on that. But I mean, what they do is they get, they'll get camera shy or they'll take just a slightly different path than every other deer. They're just smart. They're always on the edge, and it's, I mean, that's what makes it fun. I mean, they're, you're hunting a different animal when you're hunting a mature whitetail. You're not hunting a whitetail deer. 
it's a completely different animal. And we we had one in Illinois this year that uh, dodged three cameras every morning. We could not get them on camera, but we caught them on a gravel road just when we were looking for them crossing that road. And he walked through three cameras and never got a picture of them. They just know things. Man, that is wild. So they're starting to even avoid camera detection. Just let, that's pretty wild, Mark. I've never heard of that before. So they're avoiding cameras, so so we can't see them as hunters and then um, set up for them. Uh, uh, boy, that's pretty sneaky stuff. It is. I don't think they know exactly what they are, but they know it has something to do with us. And those big bucks are wise to them. Man. Well, uh, do you mind if we get right into it, Mark? The conversation's already rolling. Yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's wild to avoid detection like that, that they somehow tie it to human pressure. But, dude, you're totally right. Like, I love it when you say they're a different species. Like, same thing with these mule deer. When they get to be five, six, seven years old, they're just a different species. They have to live throughout mm-hmm. these hunting seasons. And in Montana, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm hunting with my, with my Matthews, but it is general rifle season, you know, where there is guys with rifles out. And so these deer to be able to avoid that, I, I think, you know, it's not only like these keen instincts, but I think they learn like, uh, uh, rutting grounds, that are safety away from pressure too. Like they have to rut in a good location where they don't give themselves away. Uh, you know, otherwise they're susceptible to, to being shot. So I, I really like what you said that they're a totally different species. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. definitely true. And Hey, b- before we get going, you have a, a new boat, right? No, I do not yet. Okay. It's on the way. I'm, I'm yep. expecting. I think it's on the way. Okay. Yep. Um, so I've okay. been shooting the the VXR this season, and then um, I had uh, uh, one of the sales guys come down here, and so I was able to get my hands on one of the new ones and check it out. Okay, um, good. Yeah, man, you guys have outdone yourself with that bow and that design. I am so psyched to get one of those in my hands. Well, we're excited to have you with it, too. You've had a heck of a year, man. Oh, gosh. That... We, like, we like what you put through our – we like what you put our equipment through, that's for sure. Oh, good deal. Yeah, that um, man. I mean, you guys are just outdoing yourselves. Like, uh, they have been the fa- my favorite bows that I've ever shot. Like the the Verdix was my favorite bow until I received the VXR. Now my VXR, it, it's the it's my favorite bow I've ever shot. Uh, my my favorite bow that I've ever gone through a season with. Like like that thing is just insane. And now this new bow, man, it seems like. It seems like you guys just keep making these small adjustments and improvements on what you already have. Like those engineers or your design team, um, man, they've just outdone themselves. So what I was really impressed is like um, the roller guard is positioned in the center of that bow, which then gets equal like uh, equal energy from both cams. Um, that's pretty wild and unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah, so that's something that, you know, that's going to be the first thing you notice on the V3 is that roller guard. It has a new look, um, and you just said it. It is centered in the middle of the bow. And not only is the roller guard now centered, for a um, few years now, we've had the arrow in the center of the bow right at the burger button. And that is great for the launch cycle so that you have the same angle um, hitting the, the knock on launch. Um, but what was missing was, and this was a product of, having cables in general, you have to have enough vein clearance to get that arrow through. And so we had an offset roller guard. Now there was things that we did in the past to compensate for that different size rollers, different angles on to try to get them those cables across in the center, but they weren't perfect. And what that does is the angle that the cables come off of the cam in through that roller guard are different top and bottom. So your cam timing, um, when it's centered is now perfect because the, the angle that the cables come off of the track of the, the cam is going to be the same top and bottom. So when your stops come around and hit those cables, your cams are perfectly timed for the first time. Oh man. Uh, 
this is wild because I I am all about forgiveness. And that's why like uh, I, I love being partnered with Matthews because that seems like what your engineering design team is centered around as well is forgiveness. And so like I've always liked the tunability of those bows. But I truly believe like a forgiving bullet hole through paper or a forgiving uh, arrow flight just makes such a difference in group size, downrange accuracy, like like everything that our, us archers are, are are all about. And so, yeah, when you can improve that a little bit. Uh, by the way, I love the new. Uh, it sounds like the new bow is called the V3. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Oh man, uh, what a name! Um, yeah, well, and it is. It's because it's like that. The the verdicts in the VXR, right? Is that why it's named the V3? Yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons. We are aware that those that line of how we've been going, and we'll get into more of it, but with the long riser, short limb platform, um, and some of the other features that we'll get into, this is a variation, again, on that successful platform. And we're just taking it another step further. Man, it's... <sighs> I, I can't imagine an improved version of this VXR, but I cannot wait to get this things in my hand. And like you say, with this new roller guard and getting that perfect string angle and perfect cam timing on there, it's only going to help the flight of that arrow. And it's only going to help the forgiveness of the flight of that arrow coming out of the bow where – if you, you know, and, and we're all pretty dialed on our, our grips and all pretty dialed on our mechanics of shooting a bow, but, but there, you know, there is a little variance there, even with us good shooters shooting through paper and different things. So, man, that has just got to make like a, a more forgiving bow, which in turn is going to improve accuracy, which is just amazing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the another thing too is just, I mean, I don't want to discount the confidence that somebody has in a bow. You know, we're always striving to have the a bow that's going to tune, we say, right out of the box. So we have the top hat system for the left and right. Um, and now for the, the up and down tears, this is a more forgiving system with the roller guard in the center, just like you said. And what that builds is not only a great shooting bow, because I agree that when you get your bow tuned perfectly, you can shoot any broadhead you want, and um, you're going to have great arrow flight. But you're also going to have a lot of confidence. When you pull this bow out of the box, because of the where the roller guard is, you now have a more forgiving, more tunable system, and you're going to get that thing tuned quicker. You're going to start to grow just rapport with this bow and be super confident right out of the gate, and that's a big deal whenever you're with archery equipment. It, a lot of it comes down to confidence in your system. Oh, you're spot on. Yeah, I mean, confidence is a killer, yeah. Like, you have to believe in that setup, and you're right. The quicker you're going to build confidence with it and then start seeing the groups it's going to be shooting, um, yeah, you're, you're going to just be walking around the woods with confidence, knowing you can make that shot at any given time. So you're so right, and that's that's what's been really nice about these Matthews is, is um, the confidence that I built with them, just knowing I'm shooting the absolute best bow out there, and, and then – you know, I can see it. My group size, I can see it. Uh, the way this thing shoots, that that I just walk around, you know, without even a shadow of a doubt uh, that I can make any shot that I come across. You know, I've I've gained so much confidence in this this VXR and have been you know perfect up to date, uh, wh which is an amazing season for me. You know, so uh, man, I I just can't wait to see this V3 and see what it'll do. And you're right, I love that that top cap system that you guys run um that really works well for different shooting styles so different size top hats that shim the cam um either to the left or the right a little bit for tunability for lefts and rights and, and also i love to get be able to get my tune you know right where you guys want it right at 13 sixteenths right down the center of that grip down the power point power path of that string you know i think that's fairly important too is to be able to adjust that left and right tune so it's not tuning you know way to the inside near the shelf or way to the outside where your sight's at you know where you got to move your sight way out like you can get that tune exactly. right down the center of the grip and i think that makes for a better shooting bow and that might just be inside my head but it, again, it comes down to like when I know a bow is set right down the center of the grip, it gives me confidence that everything's working right, and you guys make it so easy with that top hat system. Yeah, and you nailed it. I mean, that that is the reason we have that system. We want everyone to 
tune their bow right down the middle because it should. You get into issues with the rest in, you might have vein clearance issues, or if it's out, like you said, you might run out of travel on your site. Um, so it is important to have that thing right down the middle, and that is what that top hat system does, is that it makes sure that the bow is pushing the arrow with all the variables that you put into it right down the middle. And that, the variables are your grip pressure, the types of release, the arrow you chose, all these things factor into your face pressure. All these things factor into how your bow's going to tune. So to be able to change the bow to fit your style and your setup is important so that they can all shoot right down the middle. Oh, you're so important. You're, you're spot on. Like I, I learned that a lot of years ago that you, you don't adjust your, your, the way you shoot the bow to the bow, you adjust the bow to the way you shoot, you know? And so like, right. you don't change your grip to make the bow shoot, you know, you shoot your grip that you always shoot and tune the bow. Now, you know, if you've got a grip where you're really torquing the bow, you might have to make some adjustments in your form. But once you get dialed on your form, like I don't want to touch my form and uh, that face pressure you talked about. That is one thing I have been working on as I I think I have just a little bit too much nose pressure. I'm a little tucked in too tight to the strain. That's one thing that I have worked on. But I just like to tune that bow to the way I shoot and then have it right down the center, down the power path of the string. And then you don't have to think about it when you're drawn back on a on a big buck or a big bull. Like you just know it's going to perform and do its job. Well, yeah, and you're setting it up to do whatever's most comfortable to you. And like you said, when you're in that heat of the moment it, uh, situation, you're going to revert back to just whatever you're comfortable with. So that, that nose pressure you do, I guarantee you in the heat of the moment, you're going to do that. So being able to tune the bow to that, your, your style and your uh, form is really important so that whenever you revert back to that, when things are going fast, you're both still going to shoot that arrow as true as possible. Man. Yeah. Uh, those things are just absolute shooters. I am just so happy with that deal. So you guys have been getting quite a bit of performance out of these bows too, which is huge to me. As you know, I'm I'm a short armed archer. Like I, my draw length is 26 and a half, and so that extra energy really helps me out. Uh, but you guys are getting a ton of performance out of this platform. For sure, and, and one of the reasons is, or the main reason is, we're about the experience of the bow. The bow um, has to be a good experience, or because um, that helps everything. It helps your confidence. It makes you shoot more. It makes it more enjoyable. You can shoot longer. One of the main things for the experience, though, is efficiency, and it's something that we've started to talk about more, started to explain. But it's where we start on design. We don't do a bow unless it's very efficient and what i mean by that is that i mean beating last year's and when we're as efficient as we are every you know fraction of a point is a huge deal um because these bows are so efficient but what that means is the effort that you put in you're going to get it all out and especially at lower draw lengths we have individual modules with the switch weight technology um that it's a lot of mods it, and we had to design a lot. Dealers have to carry a lot. However, what you get is the most efficient that bow can be at your draw length. And so at 26 and a half, you're not shooting a rotating mod that was tuned at 30 inches to hit an IBO speed. You're shooting a 26 and a half mod that was made for 26 and a half to be the most efficient that it could be at that draw length. So you're not losing any performance. Uh, because you have a, a mod that's been programmed to your draw length. And so, like I said, we start with efficiency, and then we program mods exactly to the draw length and the draw weight to get that the most you can out of that system. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, you're right. So IBO speeds are taken at a 30-inch draw, and so like a lot of these bows are designed for a 30-inch draw, are designed around a 28-inch draw, and then us as short-arm archers, or me, I, I should say, then I just have to deal with a system that was designed for performance for a longer-draw archer, and so my performance just falls way off. But Matthews is different. With all these mods, like you say, and the dealers have to carry more mods, there's more parts and pieces, but when I, when I get my bow and I have it all set up, my mods and my can't, like everything was designed 
for my 26 and a half to get me the most performance and forgiveness it can like out of that mod, out of that cam system, or the most efficiency, we'll say. So it's one of the things that really sets Matthews apart is that uh, you know, you're not just looking to post up uh, a performance or speeds of this bow to be able to tout that it's better than this or gets more performance than than this bow like instead you're designing it for for every draw length for every archer to get the most performance out of his draw length man that is just amazing and and i think that's why i like your bow so much like uh because they are designed for my draw length to get me the most out of them which in turn helps me put more animals on the deck per season definitely and that i mean that example is the reason we do it I mean, we want we want whatever uh, form whatever size an archer is to get the most out of it because it doesn't do them any good to do it the other way um, and, and you can tell that on real world speed tests when you set up a bow exactly the same at your draw length you're going to see the difference in the performance one that maybe matches our IBO speed um, might not at that draw length man yeah that's exactly right that's a huge deal with these bows yeah and it you know, it's it's about building a bow or building a company that will, will, you know, withstand the test of time. Like, you're looking out for all us archers. You're not just looking out to post a big uh, speed and sell more bows or sell, you know, bows off that IBO. Like, you're looking to build it to get the most performance out of every draw length. That's just, that's huge for me. So, I absolutely love that. And it's also, it's such a fine line. And, and you know, for me, forgiveness trumps performance, but... It's always nice to have good performance too, you know. Pin gap a little bit less, uh, drives those arrows in hard. Like, uh, it's a good thing to have. But what I love too is the draw cycle is so smooth on those things. Like, like you get that performance out of that that bow, but I mean, like, um, the the draw cycle, it's not harsh at the end of it. It it's got a great back wall with both cams. How they have the stopper that hits the string. It's got a really hard back wall, and that back wall is important as well to have that stiff back wall because, uh, you know, it just means that if you pull harder on it or a little bit less on it, uh, you know, your it it can it can affect your arrow flight, especially down range. But the, your guys' system. It sits into that back wall, and there is just absolutely no movement, you know, give or take off that back wall. It is where it is every time you draw back. Oh, yeah, and, you know, these days with how high the letoffs are, we you're in Montana, so you're shooting 80. Um, in other states, you can shoot 85. Um, but with that much letoff, any variance in timing, you're going to tell, and it's going to affect arrow flight. And so having a good back wall that you can time easily um, because of that center roller guard, um, that's going to lead to more consistent shooting. And like you said, if you're pulling harder or softer, you're not moving that cam. That cam is not rolling. It's either locked in or it's not, but the way these mods are. Um, it's in, in a hunting situation, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah, because there's so much variance in some of these back walls like i've ran into it before with bows but i do not run into it with your guys's bows and and that that solid back wall it it and it really affects accuracy of low and high hits like i notice it downrange accuracy and when you've got that solid back wall and those cams roll over and they don't move like all of a sudden you lose a little bit of that variance of those up and downs they just all hit in the center because it's got the exact same energy every time you release an arrow Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, go ahead. I think the, uh, you know, the main thing you're going to notice on these V3s, and it's something we started doing with the VXR. Um, now, are you shooting the 31 and a half VXR? I am. I like that longer one. Definitely. And because you're all about forgiveness, I hear it in your voice. And so, but what we did this year is we have new axle axles. Um, we have a 31 in a super compact 27 but the riser lengths are actually the same as the vxrs so the vxr 31 and a half that you're shooting has the same riser length as the new v331 and similarly the new 27 has the same riser length as the vxr 28 so what we did is we we kept that long stable riser and we made the bow even more compact and that's really when you're talking about v3 the the verdict the vxr 
that's what we're talking about. These long, stable, stiff risers are super important to forgiveness and to, and to uh, aiming. You know, axle to axle has been king for years. I need this axle to axle bow to shoot and have a forgiving bow. Traditionally, 31 inches is not a long bow. But when you hold the riser on these new V3s, you're going to notice that it is a stable bow because that has a riser almost as long as some of our target bows. I mean, we're getting the most stability out of this bow as physically possible, but still keep it in a compact hunting axle-to-axle range. That's where the V3, I think, really shines. It's where you're going to see the stability. It's where you're going to see your accuracy, these long, stiff risers and the short axle-to-axles. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Um, so that's what you guys have been working on. Like that's why those, um, yeah, it's such a stable platform that you guys have been working on and then improving. So, and, and it's a huge part too of why that that bow just aims so good too. Like the 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 balance and stability of that longer platform. Like um, it it makes it uh, a, a real forgiving, and that's why the target archers shoot them. That's why you know they always want the longer axle to axle. But it, it's not about the axle to axle. You're right. It's about that longer riser. That longer riser is what does that. And I think I could shoot you know the smaller version just fine. Like the triax shot fine for me. But I was so happy when you guys came out with that that longer axle to axle to even get or that longer uh uh you know that that longer riser to even get more forgiveness so for me it's a no-brainer and like um dan picar is you know he's my my bow hunting brother over here at eastman's and uh the guy is just a killer and kills a bunch of animals every year and he's a really good shooter but see he prefers the shorter one uh, and it, it comes down to preference. I think they both shoot so good that I probably couldn't tell the difference, but I love the stability of that longer riser that you're talking about. So that, so that's the key to it, or that's a, a big piece of the puzzle. It really is. So the, yeah. And what you just said is so true too, that there's different styles. I'm a short bow guy myself. I spent all, all year shooting tournaments and I shoot my target bow, but when it comes to hunting season, I want the most accurate short bow that I can get. Um, and that's the way I think about it, that I won't, I have a certain threshold that I need to shoot to feel confident to go hunting with a bow. If that bow does that, I want it as short as possible. And so I'm shooting the 27 because it has a riser length similar to, let's say, a Halon 30. That, that's, it would have been a regular Halon 30 riser, but at 27-inch axle-to-axle. So, and I shot the Halon really well. And so I got a, a bow that should be as stable as that bow in a much more compact platform. Similarly with the 31 though, I mean, what you're saying, it, when forgiveness and accuracy are everything to you and you don't mind that longer bow, it, it's going to be inherently more stable. A longer riser is more stable. That's the reason why we've made these bows the way we've had. So there's definitely different styles. We are happy to make bows to fit those styles. Uh, but we think that even though the axle to axle is traditionally not a long one, that these bows will shoot and feel like uh, the most stable bow you've ever shot, even with a longer axle to axle uh, from a bow from a past. Man, it's it's such a difference maker. I love that Halon too. Uh, it's such a difference maker, and like you'd say again, it just feeds into our confidence, and and confidence is king in the in the mountains, in the tree stand, wherever it, wherever it's at. And we do we have different preferences and. Those shorter bows, like a easier to shoot angles. You can shoot from your your knees or shoot from a sitting position. It's got to make it better in a tree stand where you've always got limbs in your tree stand and there's steep downhill angles. It's it's got to make it easier for that. So it it does come down to personal preference. But I, I uh, I'm eating up everything you're telling me about that longer axle to axle with the the accuracy and forgiveness is. Is that also, like, how do you make those bows aim so good or hold on target so good? They seem to hold on target better than any bow I've ever held. Is, does that have to do with that longer axle, or the longer riser? Does that have to do with the balance of the bow, uh, the weight of the bow, or are those all factors that play into it? Because those things, they just hold on target better than any bow I've ever shot. Yeah, so you're you're hitting all the main things, but one of the challenges we have when making a long riser is it inherently gets weaker. If you have a longer leverage arm, 
to bend something, you're going to be able to bend it further. So there's specific uh, struts and design in the geometry that we have to do to make that thing crazy stiff. Um, it's one of the things that we really spend a lot of time on to just, we need a long riser for stability, but we cannot sacrifice um, the stiffness of that riser. So you're going to see special bridging and things like that that we do that just ensures that you have the stiffest platform that you can have, even though it's super long. Because the long one, like you said, is going to be more stable at full draw. There's other factors, though, like you said, the weight. Uh, you notice we got 3D damping in the bottom. That helps balance that bow, and it helps with crazy with the post-shot vibration. Um, we've taken that a step further this year. We actually have a smaller version of it. We can get into more later, but it's, it's even further out from the bow as well. And that just is going to be um, better for balance because that low out weight, it's kind of like a stabilizer. And so it's going to make it hold. But the last thing is the grip. Um, we launched this grip on the Vertex. It's been super successful. We've got a couple options with side plates or the uh, molded uh, engage grip. But that factors a huge amount into aiming as well. You know, we, we did things that, We've talked about for a few years now, but the, the thumb uh, scoop that we do on the backside where your thumb isn't jamming up into that riser and causing weird um, forces to turn your bow, you need room for that. On the, on the other side where your index finger is, it's sloped up so that you can have that natural just cock in to your, your riser where your, your arm just naturally wants to turn up and to the right if you're right-handed shooter. That gives you room to do that. So... All those factors are coming into the stability and the, how it holds on target. Um, they all independently do specific things, but it's those things together that makes the bow aim and shoot so well. Gosh, um, the, those, those engineers have outdone themselves. Yeah, I'm picturing my hand and my grip as you say that. And, and you're right, the devil's in the details, like making sure that it's got – room for that thumb so you're not torquing that bow with that grip and then also having room for you know your pointer finger that knuckle to come up so you can shoot that 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 angle that 30 degree angled grip that we that we love to shoot on those bows so you got to make room for that as well they they've really thought of all that i can't imagine like the the engineers working on that computer program like uh building up the different bracing and different things and adding little things here and there and then seeing how the bow is affected that way and just playing with all those numbers um you guys have a major challenge every year trying to outdo last year's bow like that's got to be tough to try to outdo the vxr outdo the verdicts uh, but but somehow you, you, enough smart people working on it every year you come up with like a a couple little details that you change that just makes a better shooting bow. Yeah, and you know it definitely is a challenge. Um, there the bar just keeps getting raised every year, so that you're trying to beat yourselves. And we we have good competitors, Brian, but ourselves we are our biggest competitor, and. So we are trained to have a critical eye, and we are trained to never settle. And so when we look at a new platform, it has to it has to beat last year's. There's there's no other option. So it is a high bar. Um, but over the years, we just have been trained to have a critical eye. What can be better? What little nuance that um, can be changed? What can we add that we've been working on for years? Is this the right platform to fit this new thing in? Um, we, we do that stuff all the time. We're developing things and just waiting for the right platform uh, to to uh, introduce it on. Um, we did that with the roller guard this year. That This just seemed to um, play into that where when we added that, um, we got stiffness in the riser that we needed um, while getting the, the cables right in the center that uh, we've been wanting to do for a while. And the other thing was, we, we need to have vein clearance. And when you put a roller guard right in the center of the bow, it's hard to get vein clearance. We ended up with actually more vein clearance because when you get your bow, you'll see, but now we're just missing one point. We're missing one of the rollers on the roller guard before you had to get your veins past the whole cable. And so you, ha you can sh now straddle this point that's there instead of having just a wall of a cable that you got to 
somehow fit your uh, fletchings through. So whether you're shooting four or three fletchings, um, you're going to be able to straddle that one point and actually get more vein clearance, more forgiveness again. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely something that we uh, accept the challenge every year, and it's getting harder and harder every year to outdo ourselves, but we will not launch a product if it's not better. And that's just at our core that we are not going to settle um, for – what is a great bow, a, a bow that we're just getting used to and just loving. I mean, by the time we get, we launch our new bow, we are just in love with the bow that we've been shot, shooting all year because we, we have confidence in it. We've been shooting it forever. We know what it likes. Um, and we tear that bow down and we start over again. Uh, but that, that whole thing, and it comes with proving ground, is a real um, benefit to our product development because we have super good testing facilities, Brian. We, we trust every test that we run. However, the final one is that proving ground. When we get in guys like your hands and you take it all over the world and you take it on hunts and climates, different climates and different places and different species, and when we get a thumbs up from a guy like you, that's when we know that we have something. And that's really what proving ground in our whole testing procedure is built around. I love that. Um, man, I mean, that's why it's the bow in my hands for sure. Yeah. The proving grounds of getting it into good hunters hands and, and like this V three, you've already had a bunch of good hunters that are hunting this season with it. Like you say, I got a sneak peek at it, uh, from, from one of the head sales guys, like, uh, a friend and, and he shot a really good bull this year in Montana and some spots that we were hunt last year and stayed at the house and showed me that bow, but he's got so much confidence and just loves that bow. And so, yeah, that's, that's the reason why we're shooting them. That's the reason why we believe in that company is that right there. Not only your testing facility, but the proving ground of putting this bow in a, a bunch of really good hunters hands and having them take them all over the world and, and just put them through the test to make sure that these guys absolutely love them before you release it to everybody else. I, I think that's a huge part of your company um, and a huge reason why you guys are successful. Uh, that So that, that new V3, I noticed that the, that the limbs – are like a little preloaded or the limbs have a little bit different angle on them. Uh, explain to me the reasons behind that or what performance you're getting out of that. Yeah. So you got a really good eye for sure. If you saw that, cause we are, we are preloading this, this bow more. Um, some of the things that we did um, is again, we're trying to get the longest riser and shortest axle to axle platform. What that means is, we need to preload the limbs further. And there's definitely design considerations to think about when we do that. We, we cannot uh, deform a limb past the strength of it. And so we weren't going to settle for a weaker limb. We are so confident in the limbs that we have right now that we are only going to put a bow out that it will beat that performance in fatigue life. Um, so when we run our cycle tests on those limbs, everything that we did – um, to get them preloaded more, we had to engineer some things into them to make them also have more life, which is a very difficult thing. They're kind of fighting each other. Uh, but what we landed at is a brand new geometry for us on the limb um, that gives us more life, more performance, so it makes it quieter and smoother to shoot. Um, and uh, with the limb cup geometry that we had to do to match that limb, we got a much, much lighter overall platform because of it. Oh wow, it's it's just uh, again it's those those engineers and designers again, right? Just coming up with those ideas to get just a little bit more out of those bows. That's just incredible. It is, and you know the weight savings is something definitely to talk about too, because it was a byproduct of trying to get these limbs to just be even better than they've ever been. And but what we got is you know our our V three twenty seven is four point two nine pounds, which is um, for these wide limb long riser platforms, it's just um, incredibly light, and we're really excited about that. The V331 is four and a half pounds, and that is like fully loaded. How you, how we ship it, uh, minus the damper, um, is how we do those weights. But in general, these are the longest riser, short, like shortest axle to axle platforms we've ever done, and the lightest bow. Um, 
that we've had in some time. Oh, wow. Yeah, good work. Well, and I love, um, you know, that I've also got that same engineer and design team, uh, like working with these different companies for your guys' components. Like for a long time, I would pick up accessories and I'd, I'd pick up my own rest, which, you know, your bows will work with any rest out there or they'll work with any quiver out there. And, uh, you know, they're really quiet. They, they, they don't have any vibration after the shot but i still i notice a difference and i am i'm loving your guys's two-piece quiver the way that mounts on there and that design i get no vibration out of my arrows broadheads like like it's really quieted down my bow a lot using those and then i also love um your guys's rest system with that rail and the way that rest clamps onto that rail. So all of a sudden now I'm not relying upon, you know, one Allen bolt that goes into my, to my rest to hold it in the exact same spot. Like what if that, you know, what if the, 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 the release cord snags on something or pulls something, or I've got it strapped to my pack and all of a sudden that shifts. But now with this rail system, there's no way that can ever move. And, and with your guys's rest, they've been tested at all different temperatures. So the grease doesn't stiffen up, you know, I can go shoot that thing in 10 below weather and my rest still falls away and my arrow hits where it's supposed to. And so uh, I, I've just built a lot of trust in the components that you guys sell with these bows as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely an avenue that we love to explore in the accessory lines because we're constantly improving our bows. But we we are hunters ourselves, and we're sportsmen, and we are in the field, and we're constantly thinking about like what would make a component work better with a Matthews because we want to have an accessory line that works with a Matthews. You're not buying a generic accessory um, that is made to fit um, a lot of bows that, you know, have a lot of adjustment because of the different styles of bows. We get to make one specifically for our bow. So you mentioned the Q-Light quiver, the two-piece. I mean, that thing is as tight as you could possibly get a quiver to a bow. And it's because we get to make it for a Matthews. And we know what a Matthews is, and we know how to make it tight and strong and work exactly well with that uh, platform. Similarly with the rest, you know, we get to work with a great company, Quality Archery Designs, QAD, and they had this idea that is better. It, like, it, it just in general, it's smaller, it's lighter, and it's uh, stronger. Like you said, you don't have a b bolt coming in from the side um, that's really susceptible to um, that rest turning on that bolt. And you know, there's companies that do things that work around that problem with set screws and um, little bosses that'll help it not move. But at the end of the day, the integrate system is smaller, lighter, and stronger. And, and so we're always looking for the most condensed, the best um, system that we can get. And that really does do that. And similarly, the, you know, the stabilizers, we knew how to make a stabilizer work exactly with our bow, with our frequencies, what our bows need. And that's where the flatline stabilizer came from. Um, you know, one of the accessories, I'm just my favorite one, and I want to just talk about it quick, is the engaged limb legs. Have you ever used those? No, I haven't yet. Okay, you got to get a set because these are limb legs that fit onto the bottom of your cup. And what it does is it stands your bow up just like a regular bow stand would, but you can shoot with them on or they're super easily removable, but they're, and they're really light. So it does not affect your point of impact at all. So, you know, the obvious one would be a ground blind. It keeps your cam off the ground. You can put your arrow on, and your arrow doesn't touch the ground. So the bow just stands. But where I use it a lot is on the range. You know, you don't always have a bow hook. You're laying it on the ground. You shoot it at the range. You just set it down, and you can walk away. It just stands there. I've been using it on spot and stock, too, because I'm always getting into my binos. I'm walking, I'm getting into my binos. I'm walking, I'm getting into my binos. When I have those legs on them, I can just walk through the woods, set my bow down, get my binos, pick it back up. It's no, you're never wondering what you should do uh, with your bow. It just becomes part of it. It's one of my favorite accessories, but it's another example of an accessory made for a Matthews. It's sleek, it's small, and it works perfectly for our product line. 
Oh, Mark, you're going to see an order come through for a set of those today. Uh, that is really cool. You're right. Like just using it on the range, I can see where it'd be really handy. And to be able to set your bow or shoot an indoor, whatever it is, like I can just set my bow there and it can be good. So, yeah, I really like that. But I like what you just touched on about spot and stock. There is so many times where I stock into range and, and I, I work hard to get my bow vertical so I'm ready to shoot. And then I have mm -hmm. to hang on to that thing the whole time, sometimes for an hour, sometimes for two hours. And I've got to hold it there. And also what can happen, too, is if you relax too much or, you know, your cam can slip off a rock, it can make a noise, your arrow can fall off the rest, you can bump something, bump your – like there's a number of things that can go wrong. And to tell you the truth, my arm just gets tired of holding that bow in different positions, so I'm constantly switching my hand grip, switching my arms. To have those engaged legs on that for spot and stock, I think that's a game changer. I never thought about that until you just brought that up. But now – I can stalk in and the majority of my shots come from my knees and I can have those engaged legs and have that bow sitting right in front of me, arrow knocked, uh, release on the string, ready to shoot, but I don't have to touch it. I can be messing with my rangefinder, my binos, and trust that my bow will just stand there right in front of me. I think that's an absolute game changer. Yeah, you're going to see an order come through for those today. That That's awesome, <laughs> it really, man. It really is. I mean, once you start using them, Brian – they, they really just change the way you hunt and, you know, a good accessory is one that you don't even think about. And that's what these are. I mean, once you get them, start using them, you don't even think about them. It's part of your bow and it's not part of your system. When you're stocking in, you're gonna definitely, definitely going to be able to do exactly what you said. Set it right in front of you, arrow knocked, cam off the ground, don't have to touch it because it's a wide base and you can shoot with it on. Um, so um, it, it really does change the way uh, you hunt, and that's really what our accessories are for, to make our bows as lethal as possible. Yeah, I I see it, too. I see it the way that all those accessories are married and designed exactly for that Matthews bow, and, and I see the performance I get out of it. So I, I'm a huge believer in it now. Uh, I, I really like the, the way all those accessories marry to that bow. And, and ultimately, it just makes a better setup, a more forgiving setup, a quieter setup. And that's another thing. Those, uh, those bows, man, you are getting those things so quiet. And I think that's a real key to archery and bow hunting as well. Like I know you deal with whitetails jumping the string and not many people think of it, but these mule deer, they jump a string just as well as a whitetail. Like, I really think one in three, one in four will, will jump the string, a mule deer, you know, and especially on edge or something like that. Uh, but I just noticed the, the the vibration dampening and the sound dampening of these bows, they're so quiet that I'm getting less of these deer reacting to, to my bow noise. Uh, than I did before. I, I think that's a huge piece of why this bow has been really successful for me this year. You know, nothing has jumped my string. Everything is weighted on that arrow, and I think you know your your noise reduction is a huge part of that. It really is, and it goes back to the experience too, because it it's just fun to shoot a quiet bow in general. Um, you'll shoot it longer, and um, it'll be more enjoyable. And so that that just kind of ties all in to what I was saying before that we go we tackle efficiency first and when you have an efficient bow that you're using most of that energy to put into the arrow the little tiny bit of residual energy um, is in the form of sound and noise so the more efficient bow that you can get the less sound and noise you have to start with and then we do other things like our um, our uh, damper 3d damper or our monkey tails or just whatever else that we can do to just make that completely silent and you know we know we're making a silent bow um because people are talking more about quieting their arrows down you know when you make a quiet bow the topic shifts to they're not jumping my arrow they're ju i mean not jumping my bow they're jumping my arrow how can i make my arrow quieter and you know as, as just the conversations change you can tell that the bow itself has gotten so quiet it's such a, a mute point to, so to speak um, on the actual jumping of the string, um, it's more uh, the system. What what can I do to just make the system quieter because the bow has gotten so quiet itself? 
You're spot on. Yeah. I mean, uh, I find myself in that boat now, you know, where the bow is so quiet, I just don't even need to touch a thing on that. So, yeah, you start going to arrows and fletchings and broadhead designs uh, to make sure you can get your arrows as quiet as you can to make the quietest system you can. Uh, but, yeah, you nailed it. Those bows are the quietest ones on the line, shooting with 20 guys. Like, people notice when you shoot because it just doesn't make a sound, you know. It's so quiet. And exactly. I think – I think that's a, a huge piece to being successful out west or successful in the whitetail woods. Um, if that deer isn't isn't in that spot when your arrow gets there, you're not going to hit him. It's just the nature of the beast. And those mule deer, they don't duck the string as much as a whitetail. They tend to just like try to roll to get out of there. So they tend to just um, like turn and roll and try to go. But, you know, on a 40, 50 yard shot or something like that at those extended distances, you know, they can definitely get out of the way of an arrow if they hear that bow. And I, I just noticed that I don't have these mule deer jump in my string. Or, you know, what's the worst is axis deer. I mean, those things are so oh, jumpy, sure. you know. But uh, I, I have uh, my buddies in Hawaii have all switched over to Matthews now. Um, they're all shooting the, 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 the VXR. And I'm sure they'll be shooting the V3 as well. And it wasn't that way when I first met these guys a few years ago. But they just find that axes don't jump their string as much. They're building those quiet bows on that quiet platform and having that quiet system. They they kill bigger bucks and more of them. And I sure notice it when I go there as well. Like um, axes are the worst at jumping strings. They're so quick and so... Uh, uh, so so wired to they're jumpy, you know. They just evolved from avoiding Bengal tigers, you know, in their evolution, and so they're quick. And um, I, I notice less uh, they don't get out of the way of my arrow. They wait for that arrow now because they just don't hear that that bow going off. And I think you know the vibration reduction and the noise reduction is just a huge piece of that. Yeah, it really is, and that is definitely the you know when we talk about proving ground stuff like that. You know, it's it's results from the field that we're hearing that we know um, what matters to a hunter. And the other thing, too, is, and I'm going back to this again, but confidence. Just when when it comes to whitetails, if you had an, a whitetail jump your string, it's in your head. And so you're thinking, I got to aim low. I got to aim low. I got to aim low. And that is not a, a recipe for success, really, because you're going to be you're going to get one that doesn't uh, jump the string and you're going to hit it really low and bad. You want to be able to put your mark where you want to hit and have confidence that your bow is going to hit that mark and not have to worry about external factors, things that you can't control. And having a bow that is quiet and a system that is quiet leads to that confidence that you can't put the mark on the spot and release your arrow. That's so true. comes down to confidence. One, you know. That's why I love your guys' company is um, you're not just building great bows. Like, you guys are all diehard bow hunters. <laughs> you know, you guys uh, live, eat, sleep, and breathe it the same as I do, you know. And so, uh, you know, you, you're, you're, your bar for entry is really high because you need it to perform and do well for you in those proving grounds the same as I need it to. And, and in a lab and in the design team and in theory is one thing. But to make it work in the field and make it operate in the field – is another and i think that's why you guys um place such importance on that and take it to that next level and really prove that that bow not only works in theory but works in the field with dead big critters you know so uh it, it's just absolutely awesome um man i feel really fortunate to to be teamed up with you guys and shooting these matthews bows i just really feel like they're the absolute best bows on the market and the best bows for hunting um, so man, I just can't thank you enough for, for having me be a part of it. And, and also for taking the time to jump on a podcast when it's, uh, right in the heart of the rut. So I can't thank you enough, man. Brian, it was great. And we love having you on the team and everyone, um, there at Eastman. So we just so, um, happy to be teamed up with you guys and we are, we're just blessed to have, you know, the most diehard crop of archers that I've ever known. And that's, that's in the building and externally, that our, our team um, is, is the best group of archers that I've ever known and might ever be. And that is really um, a benefit to our design team, that we get to, um, you know, all, experience those things ourselves because we are hunters and also talk to a crop of just a lifetime of experiences. It leads to a better product for everybody.
It absolutely shows. Uh, you guys are killing it. Uh, I can't wait uh, to get this V3 in my hand. So as soon as I do, I'll update my audience on uh, what I know I'm going to find, that it's going to be my my favorite bow to date. Uh, you guys just outdo yourselves every year. So kudos to you guys. Uh, uh, keep on keeping on and doing what you're doing. And, yeah, thanks a bunch, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Brian. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Man, that Mark Hayes knows bows, doesn't he? That's just an amazing podcast. Uh, I'm just such a geek for bows and archery and performance, and I'm just so impressed with what they come out with each and every year. And this V3, I am so excited to get this thing in my hands. This thing is going to be an absolute shooter. And uh, I, I just love forgiveness in a bow. It, it seems like these engineers are working for me. They're, you know, uh, for a while, craze was speed or, uh, you know, there's different crazes that have gone on in the in the archery industry. But Matthews, they just align with what I love in bows, forgiveness, tunability. The thing just aims. Those, those bows are so rock solid on their aim. They just, they make me better in the field. I love, you know, every Matthews bow I've owned. I love the verdicts. The VXR is insane, and I can't wait to see this new V3. So, uh, I got my I got my wife uh, watching the doorstep for this thing to show up, and um, as soon as I get back, I'm gonna start running some arrows through it. But I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you guys are in the market for a new bow, make sure to check out and shoot these Matthews. Uh, these things are absolutely awesome. Uh, thanks again to Mark Hayes for taking the time, coming on and answering all my questions. And thanks to Matthews for support of this podcast. It just means the world to me uh, that that those guys, you know, have me as an integral part of their 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 testing and and uh, of their team of shooting these bows. I'm so proud to be shooting for them. So thanks to those guys for uh, the support of the podcast. And uh, thank you, thank you guys for listening in. I sure appreciate it. Uh, so I'm going to get my stuff together. Uh, make sure to check out the new Eastman's Mule Deer film. It'll be coming out in the next handful of days here. Uh, be a full-length film with some awesome footage in it and, and awesome information about migration of mule deer and and about the survival of the species. It, we all need to look out for them. We, we love them, you know, with 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 every fiber in our being and and i love hunting mule deer they're my absolute favorite species to hunt and i just want to protect them for years to come so that we all have these opportunities so uh, should be a great film make sure to check that out and um with that i'm gonna i'm gonna pack my bags and get mule deer hunting here uh the rut with that bow is so fun and uh that bow is, is absolutely shooting for me, so I just can't wait to get my chance to loosen arrow on on one of these big dark horn muleys I'm after, and and uh, been able to help my buddies out, get my buddy stock, help Dan be successful. It's a huge part of my season. Help my daughter be successful. Uh, this weekend I'm going out with my dad, so um, hunt with him quite a bit and help him out and see if he can't uh, get on a good buck and uh, hunt a little bit for myself. I got till the end of the month here. And, um, so yeah, I got a couple weeks left and, uh, just gonna, just gonna go with every chance I got, you know, I've got my responsibilities I've got to take care of, but I can still sneak away a few days here and there. Um, man, that the last time I went, I made this trip out there. It was Dan's trip when Dan killed that buck and I knew we were going for it. I knew we had this mega storm coming in and, uh, we went for it anyways and killed his buck and then. Gosh, we we packed so many miles that weekend, and then walking throughout the nights. You know, it gets dark so early. But gosh, walking back and then packing his deer out and getting back and trying to beat the muddy roads. And we beat the muddy roads, but just too tired by the time we got out to try to drive all night and make it home. So we we figured the next day we'd drive home. You talk about a two-man bobsled. I have never seen the roads so bad. Oh, they were just an absolute sheet of ice. It had rained and then froze. And there had to be an inch of solid ice with no pavement showing anywhere. It's the only time ever in my life I've contemplated getting studs on my truck. It was just um, had to really, uh, you know, increase stopping distances. And, you know, I'm comfortable driving in bad conditions, but I think we saw like seven or eight wrecks, a bunch of semis, jackknife, like it was gnarly out there. Uh, a trip that usually takes six, seven hours took me about 12 or 13 hours to make it home. I was just happy to make it home in one piece. Another wreck on my home highway leading from Bozeman to Ennis in there. 
just on this slick ice. Gosh, you couldn't even stop, or the minute you'd stop, you'd just slide. So sketchy. So uh, a little gun shy after that, but it looks like the weather is pretty good now. And um, yeah, just trying trying to keep it safe. Gosh, I was doing. So at one point, you know, we we're driving at first, and it's a snowstorm, and I had a couple close calls. First close call, I was doing 50, 60 down the highway. It wasn't slick yet. It was snowing these big uh, chicken feather flakes, like the the big white snowflakes, where you can hardly you can't have your brights on and see. So uh, I had my dims on so I could see in cruising down the highway, you know, maybe not doing 60, but doing 50, 60, something like that. And all of a sudden there's a black cow in the middle of the road and it's dark snowing like this and evasive maneuver. I make it around the cow and get back on the road or whatever. I told Dan, I said, gosh, my, my heart rate didn't even get up on that one. You know, like I, I just made this evasive maneuver to get around this cow. And, um, you know, sometimes your heart just beats out of your chest. And so we were kind of laughing about it. And so drove for a while in the snow and then the roads really cleared off and able to cruise and make some good time. 70 miles an hour on the highway and then get on the freeway and able to do 80 down the freeway. And it's good dry pavement and no problems. And I thought, well, we have good roads here for a while until we hit the storm and just started going and, hit that that black ice where it doesn't show ice on the highway, but it's so slick on the highway. And so I'm doing 80 on the highway, and I hit a bridge deck around a corner, and all of a sudden my truck kicks sideways doing 80. And I was able to get it back, not overcorrect, and get it in, in my heart about beat out of my chest. Like I had that heart attack moment where it was like, oh, my gosh, doing 80 down the highway, sideways down the freeway. Just like, oh, my gosh. So after that, it got really icy. I stopped off the highway, checked it with my feet, and it wasn't showing any ice or you couldn't see it, uh, but it was black ice on the highway. So it slowed down pretty much from there all the way home and just got worse. Uh, gnarly driving conditions, but um, that's part of it anyway. So just slow it down, keep it safe, get us both to home base, and, and so me and Dan were able to make it home safe and sound, but crazy driving conditions. So anyways, a little gun shy, but supposed to be better weather here, warmer weather today. So um, I'm going to get my stuff packed and get out of here and go chase some mule deer. So uh, thanks a bunch, you guys, for all the support. Uh, make sure to check out that new Matthews uh, uh, V3. Thing's going to be an absolute awesome bow. I can't wait. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys are getting your hunting time out there. I sure have enjoyed sharing in your guys' success through social media and any personal messages I've got. So good going, you guys. Hard work pays off. And and you can really create this success just out of a, a desire and a want and, and effort and hard work. Um, so it, it's just amazing to be able to have this in our lives. So uh, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate you and all the support, uh, subscribing, the, the the reviews on iTunes and things. Those all help the podcast, the shares on social media. Uh, I, I'm just um, I'm so humbled every time, you know, somebody shares something. You know, we've had um, Cameron listening in, Cameron Haynes listening in, which is just amazing. He's reposted me a couple times Um it's just uh, it, it it it's pretty humbling and awesome. I've had Remy repost it, uh, repost me, or repost the podcast, and, and a, a host of other people. It's just amazing and does so much for for me in this little podcast. So, um, man, I appreciate it, guys. All right, check in with you next week.